This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host Terence Ford and this week's episode will build you up to the big one. It's Brighton with me, Albert and Heskiff. What more could you want? Yes, yes, back. Sorry that I missed last week. Um, Albert, you missed it as well and we won. Has <laughs> he gone? Is he here? Is he back? Is <laughs> he He's he's just too busy refining his Roy Hodgson impression. I think he's I muted guess. his microphone and he doesn't realise. But I will say... No, 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 no. You've put me on mute there. <laughs> You've put me on mute and granted, <laughs> I'm not got my computer right in front of me. I am watching the football as well. And I didn't know I was on mute and I was talking away there merrily. So that's your fault. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, answer me. You you missed you missed the Newcastle pod, and so did I, and we won. So should we really be doing this? That's exactly what I said whilst muted. <laughs> sure, you did. Um, but Heskiff, you were one with Hambo. That was a unusual mix up. How did it go? Yeah, it was great. Obviously, welcome back to you two. It was it's never the same without you. Uh, and having having a re- a review show person. Feels a little bit like cheating, to be honest. So I'm glad to have you both back. Fun as it were was. You, were you thinking of us the whole time? I was. Good. <laughs> or, or or Jeff, the scout leader. Oh, oh. Talking. I mentioned him. I mentioned him at work today, and relive, <laughs> relive the whole sorry affair. Thankfully, not firsthand. That was Albert's unfortunate series of events. It was both hands, actually. Oh. <laughs> I'm, go back on mute. I was going to ask you, Heskiff, about uh, your work colleague and how that's progressed, but you know, you lost me at Man United fans, so I'm not really, not really interested in what he's, he's got to he's, say. Listen, he's still livid. He's now threatening to set up his own podcast for revenge, but he's not going to get the the bumper listenership that this preview show gets. So he can he can keep chatting away. Yeah, you also got to have some talent, right, as well. So if, he, if he's, if he's going to slag you off on it, I don't mind guesting on it. Well, hang on a minute. I'm not having this. You're supposed to be on, you're supposed to be on my side. 
Yeah. Right. Anyway, because I'm absolutely desperate, let's start with this. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Oh, that was the old jingle. Um, I've got a beer this week. Um, I got slagged off on the BBS for having a, um, a Bailey's last time, I believe it was. Um, but Albert, you've got a beer. Go. Heineken. Hurrah. Fuck Heineken. And Heskiff. Yep, Asahi, as per last week. What was it? By a four or something like that? Uh, there's an offie nearby that has loads of your kind of stuff in it, but they also had Asahi. So there we go, we've got that. I've just had a delivery from Morrison's, so I've got an Elvis juice by Brewdog. It's a grapefruit-infused IPA, and it's 6.5%, and after the week I'm having, I need it. So let me just have a sip. <clears throat> Oh, lovely. So, what have I been up to? Why was I missing last week? Well, um, I had a lot of problems with my house. Um, you know, me and, me and the pregnant missus have been back and forth to the hospital a few times, but everything's fingers crossed all right there. Um, so, yeah, it's all been a little bit wild and crazy. Um, I've also been doing antenatal classes. Um, Albert, you've, you've obviously done these things. I went to a couple. um i've been to three now since the last podcast and um feels like being in a school classroom and i in week one almost had a meltdown and couldn't handle it every time she said the word anus it was was a big struggle (laughs) hang on hang on a minute who hang on a minute who is this person claiming to be an expert on childbirth and is banging on about the anus is it jeff She kept talking about like when you're giving birth and basically because she went around the class and said, introduce yourselves and um, talk about anus. an anxiety or um, something exciting or whatever that's good that you're looking forward to with a birth. And half the people in the class were like, I'm at this terrified. point, I just say, yeah, at this point, can I just say, I'm still struggling to see where the word anus comes in. <laughs> half the people said, I'm terrified at shitting myself or the husband saying, I don't really want to see my wife shit herself. Um, so then the woman talked a lot about why you shit yourself during birth. And a lot of it is doing down to the baby's head when you give giving birth, pushing down onto the anus. <laughs> I, oh. was, <laughs> I lost it. No, no, when you get the, you're trying not to laugh so much, but your whole face is twitching. And oh, it was. You said, it, sorry, you said your face is twitching. <laughs> <laughs> I'll set him up. You finish him off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, there's a whole podcast in talking about antenatal classes, but that's that's for another day. Have um, you got that, to the Dijon mustard yet? Oh fuck! No, I haven't got to the Dijon All mustard right. yet. How many? How many? How many have you got left? Three, I think. Okay, yeah, you might get. You might get to the Dijon mustard. If they um, uh, listen, uh, you'll you'll know, you'll know. <laughs> okay. For, for anyone, for anyone who tunes into this podcast or downloads it every week, hoping to get some like jaunty, jaunty football chat. And the last two, the last two of the last three weeks, we've talked about a paedophile scout leader. <laughs> Rest in peace, Jeff. Rest in peace. Shitting yourself and Dijon mustard. So if you're still listening, uh, thank you very much. Yeah. 
Wow. Out, out your belly buttons for everyone. Um, well, while we're on that sort of vibe, uh, Roy, Roy Hodgson has been sucking his finger this week. And Albert, you had a very good um, recall of what it reminded you of. Yeah, Dirty Den on the old webcam, also sucking his finger. Um, that's, that's, an image, that's an image a bit like Ian Botham's Twitter slip. That's an image that I probably Google more than necessary, you know, and just seeing Roy doing it, it brought it, it came all, all flooding back. Not that, not that I was on the end of the webcam call when he was doing it originally, but yeah, just just remember seeing that on the front of the paper and dirty den indeed. Yeah, it was funny because it came up in work a couple of weeks ago. I was explaining it to a very young person at work. When I say very young, you know, an adult, not a, not a child. <laughs> and um, they seemed amazed that it was an actual scandal. And I suppose by 2020 standards, someone sucking their finger on a webcam is probably not that much of a scandal. You can go and find that anywhere on the internet well, these I, days. I think that was probably the only bit they were allowed to print in a newspaper. I don't know the full story, but that, that might have been one of the only mildly safe screen grabs they could have taken from that <laughs> and to be fair if they'd taken a screen grab of his knob we wouldn't have known it was leslie grantham would we so true hello um, sweetheart hello, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah but um why was roy sucking his finger heskiff do you have any idea i have no idea whatsoever unfortunately i saw the photo with absolutely zero context which has made it all the worse i think <laughs> what's uh, their context I hope so, because it's grim. Because <laughs> it's grim. I mean, I'm definitely now going to put that on a Christmas card front and send it to you <laughs> in December. I can't wait. I literally can't wait. <laughs> Maybe he was um, just so excited about us putting on such an attacking performance against Newcastle that, um, yeah, was just knowing you stuck your finger, put it in the air just to show you the bollocks. I don't know. Uh, anyway, Newcastle, you bought some Canadians has gifted a game. What, what's this all about? Was this to do with going to ice hockey? Uh, no, in fact. So there are a couple of Canadians that work um, in my office. And when uh, one of them started around the same time as me and mentioned that she wanted to go to football and she said, oh, maybe I'll go and watch Chelsea. So I said, no, you won't. <laughs> I, said, right look, I was like, look, you want to come to Palace? We're the best. We've got the best atmosphere, best fans. Don't worry about the football that we play. That's not important. Um, and event, anyway, so we, we organised it and they, her and uh, and the other Canadian, who, funnily enough, is called Chelsea, uh, came to the Newcastle game. Uh, saw them before. They were really excited. Saw them afterwards. They loved it. But it turns out that, because they were in the Arthur, one of the people near them said, if you want a drink go just before half time because the concourse is tiny and you won't get a drink. So I texted at half time saying like, what a goal, like brilliant that you've seen a goal like that. And then after the game, she was like, yeah, we were, we were in the bar bit. So we missed it completely, but we still had a great time. Drinking, um, drinking Carlsberg. <laughs> uh, yeah. Drinking shit Carlsberg. Um, <laughs> but they loved it. So Paige and Chelsea, they're called, and they're now talking about going to an away game at some point. So they've got the palace bug. Page and Chelsea, it sounds like something you'd do in the 90s. It does. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, well, just south of Canada, you've got America, and there was that big boxing match there 
on the weekend. Um, Albert, have you seen that Deontay Wilder's blamed these defeat on wearing a 40-pound suit to the ring? And that's pounds as in weight, not 40 quid. Um, say, where did he get that? I'm, I need a new whistle. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's saying it took all the energy out of his legs. Now, think back to the 90s. Do you think um, this could have been Razor Ruddock's excuse? <laughs> the, the elusive shorts. I'll be honest. I didn't see the. I haven't seen the suit in question. What? Why was it so heavy? It was like it looked like it was encrusted with crystals, and it had like light it light up eyes and all sorts of things. It kind of looked a bit like a Batman costume if it, it had been verjazzled. Right, I see. And <laughs> apparently, it weighed a lot. He said, "With all the with all the uh, crystals and the batteries and all that, it, it took the it took this sap the energy from his legs." Is this and this is a boxing match? It sounds more like WWF. Yeah, well. I think it's getting a bit more like that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, listen, it just sounds like, you know, sounds like his own fault. No one's made it. Well, I'm assuming no one's. I hope no one's made him wear it. Um, what did Tyson Fury wear to the ring? Um, a crown and a cloak with like, I think he might have had the Union Jack on it or something. Sounds like a fucking pantomime. This he, was a- he was actually carried to the ring on a on a throne, actually, ah, on people's now shoulders. That's where- that's where the Deontay Wilder boat's gone wrong. <laughs> Wear the forty-pound suit, but then make someone carry you in. That's the, and then it's their problem. Mm. Right? Should we should we talk about some football? Should we do it? <laughs> Alex Sorlot has been linked to Real Madrid. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> I was saying recently that if this happens, if uh, if we're forced to sell him for the six million that or whatever it is to Trasman Spore and then they immediately turn him over to Real Madrid for 50-odd million euros, whatever it is. Someone at the club needs to be taken down to Tasty Jerk and have his, have his feet held to the bloody flames to find out what went wrong. But, um, I mean, Heskiff, this is madness, isn't it? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, as as well as he's doing, um, and he is doing very well, albeit in... What I assume is not a great league. I mean, to be honest, I don't watch Turkish football. We'd have to ask DR. But um, who who may or may not still be in Turkey after watching his team lose and everything going absolutely mental. Well, that was, I mean, he's been getting it in the group for, um, it's his first ever Fenerbahce Galatasaray derby that he's gone to. And he's a Fenerbahce fan, and it's the first time Fenerbahce have lost at home to Galatasaray in 21 years. <laughs> how's, your, how's your luck? Palace finally winning, you're not there. <laughs> you can't watch Fenerbahce lose for the first time in 21 years. But anyway, go on, carry on. Uh, yeah, so anyway, he's, he's doing all right over there. But if he goes to Real Madrid, I just I wonder what's happened with reality. Because when we saw him play, I remember when I remember we were talking on here, and I think it was a goal that Andros scored at West Brom in the in the League Cup, and we were we were laughing that Andros was running with the ball and Serlot was more or less running off the pitch, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. run off the pitch, and now a year later, we're talking about Real Madrid scouting the man, so I'd just give up if that happens. To be honest. I mean, both of these goals for Chesman Sport against who were they were playing? They were playing uh, Besiktas, I think. Um, both goals were quality, different goals as well. One was, you know, man in front of him, 
dropped his shoulder, beat the man, was hammered a left foot shot into the far bottom corner. And then the second one was just absolutely incredible movement uh, to lose his man at the back post and get a tap in from what was a fantastic cross, it must be said. Uh, we should be looking at that guy. <laughs> but yeah, insane really. And um, it looks like we're going to end up losing out on a big old chunk of money because um, he's going to be turned over very quickly. And from one expert player to another one, Jose Campagna has been touted around. Um, do you remember him, Albert? Yeah, vaguely. I remember him being like the beacon of, of hope. And, you know, I mean, let's face it, no one had heard of him before we signed him, but because it was like the first exotic player we'd signed in, in, in quite a while, it was like, he's the new Andy Dorman. It's going to be great. And then he just wasn't very good. And then, you know, such is such is life. He's gone on and, you know, it seems to have improved. And now he's now he's hot shit. But, you know. So he's the 2013 version of Max Meyer. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, I don't think we can. I don't think we can be too upset about you know if if he is you know he's, like I say he's doing well and there's talks. Is it Barcelona were looking at him or was it Real Madrid? I can't remember. I saw a a, 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 a spurious headline from a website I'd never heard of that he's being scouted by some massive team, and it's like, well, you know, he left us years ago, so it's not you know, it's one of those things where. Who was it that did really well at uh, Bayern Munich after playing for us and being pretty crap? Valerian Ishmael. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of them. You're like, oh my god, that's oh that guy. Oh, oh he's there. Oh, good for him. Uh, but yeah, well, another another one that hasn't worked out for us, but could could go on and do very very well elsewhere. Hey ho. Mm. Would you have him back in red and blue, Heskiff? Who Valerian Ishmael? <laughs> uh, no, not Valerian. With, with our injury crisis, he might get in the team at the moment, but no, not Valerian. Campagna, I mean, he's a central midfielder who seems to be creative. So, would I have him back? Maybe. Would Roy put him in the team? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right, so I suppose we should um, go to a quick break and then when we come back, we can start talking about a trip down to the south coast Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yes, commentary there from the famous 2-0 victory at the Amex back in 2013. Right, Heskiff, we've got 33 points after 27 Premier League games this season. Yeah. And it says it's the best we've ever had as a Premier League return. Apparently so. Bit mental, isn't it? It is mental. Uh... 
because for large parts of this season, I've been massively underwhelmed and have wondered what's like what's going wrong, which sounds a bit drastic because you know we're not we haven't been bottom three or anything like that, but it just feels really up in well Saturday was different, but it just feels really flat this season so to to read a to read a stat that says after you know this stage of the season since we've been in the Premier League. Including, you know, the, the the times in the nineties and mid two thousands. This is the best we've been. Just seems like it can't be true, but the stats don't lie. Mm, I think we might have been better in nineteen ninety one, but <laughs> just just a few more points back then, I'd imagine. But yeah, it's it's just insane, really, to think about it. I guess we're pipping. Um, Adam Pardew's season when he went in reverse and we were fifth around Christmas and then fell by the wayside. But Albert, does a lot of flatness this season come from the, you know, fifth appears to be there for the taking this season. You know, there's no, none of the big traditional top six, a lot of them are struggling. Sheffield United are up there occupying the, one of the heady positions there. Um, and it just seems like we could have achieved so much more this year. Yeah, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. You know, it's our it's our best return at this point in 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 a season in the Premier League, which is you know positive a positive thing. However, I have to caveat that, and it ties into what you're saying about Sheffield United doing so well. And as again, as great as they're as they're doing, not taking anything away from Sheffield United, it has been an absolutely dross year for the Premier League. Like there's one and a half, there's one and a half quality teams and then there's a couple of really decent teams and I'm including Sheffield United in that and then the rest is is, is pretty average to be honest and we're again we've got the, the points that we've got are the points that we've got but we're I think we're incredibly lucky that there are teams that seem to be doing way worse than us and I think in any other year we would probably be flirting a bit closer to the bottom three um you know I don't like to give them any credit but you look at look at the squad that West, West Ham have got you know, they should be doing a lot better. You know, Watford should be probably doing a lot better. Um, Brighton went on a, were on a really good run for a while and now they can't seem to buy a result. But yeah, there's there's um, there's there's just not a lot of quality in the Premier League this season. Um, you know, Arsenal are ninth. You know, United are, are struggling. And um, we could have probably taken greater advantage of that. There are there are teams that we should have, should have got more points out of. Um, and we haven't, and you know we're okay. We're doing well, but like you say, you can't help thinking those that you know the fifth and sixth and seventh, you know, are, are really should have been really, really achievable targets for us based on how the leagues panned out this season with everybody else. Yeah, I was I was convinced leading up to half time that it was going to be the second time this season that we thumped Newcastle and lost one nil. That they were just going to nick something on the break at some point, <laughs> but alas, we we scored a first half goal and we prevented it. Uh, but you said that Brighton are on can't buy a win. <laughs> this is the sort of stat that Sam Heskiff absolutely adores. Oh, the only team in the '92 that has failed to record a win in 2020 after we beat Newcastle on the weekend is now Brighton. Uh, so, what's, so what's going to happen on Saturday? Oh, see, I read that stat on Twitter about half an hour after the full-time whistle on Saturday. <laughs> And I can tell you that my elation at seeing a win deflated quite considerably. 
because you know what is going to happen. You just know. Um, I didn't realise they were doing... I mean, they've had quite a few draws. I think they've drawn three or four in a row, from what I remember. But I didn't think that they were... They'd gone that long without a win, to be fair. And I think part of that is because the, the media loving of Graham Potter and their, oh, they play brilliant football, seems to keep running despite them not winning. Um, to the point where, you know, I, I, you look at the table, if they beat us on Saturday, they're still below us. And we're talking about how, like, bang average we've been this season. But the only thing you hear about them is, you know, they play this unbelievable football and all this. They play football the right way and all that sort of shit. Um, so I think hearing that all the time made me think they were doing a lot better than they actually are. Um, that being said, we don't seem to turn up against them under Roy. So I'm a bit worried that this win, this run is, you know, nailed on to come to an end. Yeah, we've certainly had some dreadful performances under Roy down at the Amex um, in the last couple of years. Uh, that one where, oh, what was it, three the three one? Uh, that was oh, it was awful <laughs> when they scored immediately after going down to ten men. I, uh, but the, one of the good things is we'll get onto a bit later. I think uh, James Tompkins is out because <laughs> he seems to have the Amex seems to be his kryptonite. Turns into the worst centre back we've ever seen, um, which is obviously very unlike James Tompkins. Uh, but now let's let's do it now, Albert. So J- James Tompkins. Um, he, He's what he was one of the ones missing, but Scott Dan came in on the weekend against Newcastle, and him and uh, Gary Cahill looked quite good together. Yeah, yeah, you, I think you're bang on there. Gary Cahill was great, and Scott Dan's had a few. I mean, listen, he's not had a, a solid run in the team for a while, and he's never been quite the same after that significant injury. Um, so you're always a bit nervy about you know players like that coming in and having to do a job in you know in what was quite a Quite a crunch game, really. All things considered, the sort of size and position of the two teams. But yeah, I thought he, I thought he did really well. Um, I didn't. Think there was, I don't think there was anybody that that came off, you know, not looking not looking much cop. I thought, um, you know, I thought apart from I think McCarthy had a bit of a, a dodgy first half, but again, drastically improved in the second half. And yes, yeah, I think if if Scott Dan and Gary Cahill line up on Saturday, I think again it's the I mean, we haven't got a lot of other options to be honest, and unless, unless they're going to put Kelly in, but I wouldn't be upset if if they uh, if they carry on as they left off at the weekend. Yeah, it was nice to have a threat from set pieces as well. It was by far the best we've been on set pieces all season, and a lot of it has to give us down to PVA's delivery. Um, so thinking of that and him creating, I think six chances it was from um, set pieces. Luca, is he his suspension's over? So does he come back in or has he got one more game? I thought he missed out because he had a bug. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, he was ill. Because Roy had said that there was something going around and I didn't really clock that that might be why until they read the team out. Um, Everybody keeps putting their fingers in their mouth and catching all the germs. (laughs) Um, To answer the question, though, I don't think he should come back. I think one of the main takeaways from the game like you say, was the set piece delivery? Uh, I think James McCarthy put in some good, some good uh, cross uh, corners, and like you say, PVA did as well. But I think one thing that was really apparent was how quickly we got the ball moving up the pitch, and that's one thing that a lot of people, myself included, have been critical of Luca for this season, where he 
you know, stops the ball and he ponders on it and he sort of goes sideways a bit or he passes it back and he allows the team in front of him to reset. And that didn't happen against Sun- uh, against Newcastle, sorry. Oh, we- Sunderland. Ooh. Um, we we got the ball moving quickly, you know, Kiartis had that great run where he pushed forward with the ball and James McArthur has got all the energy in the world, as we know, and James McCarthy, like Albert said, had a, had a very good game, grew into it a lot. But it, we got the ball moving and even from the point where, you know, Guaita had the ball, sometimes Luka comes deep and calls for it and then sort of divers about and doesn't do anything with it when... You really want him to turn and just go and start, you know, start getting the move going. So I, th- I think having a more mobile midfield made a lot of difference. And as as much as Newcastle weren't offering much themselves, you know, we, we, we made a lot of the space that we got because it was of our own doing. And I worry that bringing Luca back will just revert back to type, you know, and that's that will be disappointing for me. Albert, yeah, I'm. Uh, I won't be too upset if Luca comes back into the team, but my concern is that a classic Roy move would be he'd put Luca back in, and it would be Kiate that misses out. And I thought Kiate had a great game at the weekend. Um, just brought that extra bit of mobility, like Sam's alluded to. Um, so whilst whilst I I, I, I I wouldn't be too upset if Luca did come back into the team, if it was a if it was at Czech Kiate's expense, I would. I you know. That, that's something I wouldn't like to see. I think it has to be it has to be McCarthy for me that comes out. Um, but again, based on based on the, the the overall performance of the of the, you know the midfield and the whole team on Saturday, um, I wouldn't be looking to change it unless yeah you know unless it's a forced change. Yeah, I think there's two things on now. I think Kiate could miss out now. I think he's reluctant to take him out when Benteke is not playing because we lack height, um, but <clears throat> we have a lot more of it uh, now Benteke is playing so he, he could miss out McCarthy I would want to play for his battling nature you know he what I think it was eight tackles he won on the weekend which is a ridiculously high number for a Premier League game and uh, was actually surprised to find out he also had nine against Arsenal earlier in the season so How many fouls were there though <laughs> yeah but that's something you know it's Clever fouls as well. I mean, he got booked early and I did think he, he was in trouble at one point because he wanted to kill Richie for Newcastle. And um, it took James McArthur to come in and uh, <laughs> tell him to politely move away in in his raging Scottish accent, I imagine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I thought McCarthy had a really good game. Like you say, I think his passing was a little bit off at the start, but he really grew into that game. And he's, he's done it a couple of times now. He's shown that... He can be a really good player. He did it at Man City away, um, particularly the second half against Newcastle. He was just, everything he did just turned to gold, it seemed. And even James McArthur, I thought, had one of his best games in ages. It was not that he's been particularly bad or anything, but just he, the angles he was finding on passes. But a lot of me is, I don't know, was it Newcastle were just terrible? You know, they, they were bad. They couldn't pass the ball three yards. They just kept passing it into touch from like five yard passes. I mean, they absolutely missed John Joe Shelby, um, something chronic in there. And, you know, people were crying all over social media that we didn't attempt to sign Nabil Bentaleb, but he just did nothing for me in the centre of the park. Um, where number 42, he kind of reminded me a bit of Punchin towards the end of his Palace career. <laughs> but um, there you go. But um, So, I don't what Hesky, if, would who misses out? If Luke is coming back in, who would you be taking out of that team? Who would I be taking out? Ooh, 
that's a tough question. Uh, I really don't know because I really, I think the midfield should stay as is. I think Roy will take Czech out. I know that Czech picked up a little knock at the end of the game. And I think Roy has said that he's probably going to be all right. But in a way, that might give him an excuse to bring Luca back and say that Czech wasn't 100%. Um, but, and you know, I, I think, I know Luca's a captain and, and all the rest of it, but I don't think people should just walk straight back into him just because they can just because they can and they're, and they're fit again. Um, he's Roy seems to like doing that. You know, we look at Gyro, one player of the month, and the first game PVA could come back, he was back and Gyro was dropped. Um, so I think I think Roy will bring him back if he can because um, I just don't really see Luca starting on the bench. It's just a weird thing to, to think Roy will do. Um, but I just think, because I, I think back at, to, to West Ham away when I think we played well and McCarthy was very good. And I, I'm pretty sure Luca didn't play that game uh, either. So maybe the answer to our midfield being a bit more front, sort of front facing and, and getting the ball forward is to not have Luca for a bit. Strange as that is to say, um, thinking back to it, like his whole Palace career. Yeah, well, I would say giving him a miss would be a good thing for him. So you've mentioned PVA there. Now, Albert, PVA has been... You know, he came back in over Gyro Riedewald, which many expect him not to. And he's been very good since he came back. I mean, he was excellent against Newcastle, where probably he's his best game this season. Is it competition for places that gives you that? You know, if if Luca misses out and realizes, you know, oh, I've got to actually earn my place back in this team, it might make him up his performance because I think in the last few years under Roy, we've lacked any real competition, which means, you know, you get the 11 normally names itself. Uh, so there's there's no desire for these people to up their levels. But is that what we've seen from PVA in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah potentially. I think um, there's definitely a lot to be said for it. I don't know. I mean, Roy must love it, having, having a really good, having four a choice of four really defensive, ultimately, you know, really defensive-minded central midfielders. So I don't know how Luca ups his game more. You know, it's not like he's going to come in and, and try and, and try and you know, unlock teams with 40-yard defence-splitting passes. You know, that's not Roy's style. But I think any any competition for places is good. And we're, you know, we're, we're when they're fit, we're very blessed at centre-half. And I think that's that spurs those players on to to play better and we you know we've got a really good combination of central defensive pairings that you can sort of pluck out of the pool of, of players we've got there um i think we've always we've always said that i think we talked about it last season that you know pva had little to no competition for his spot you know i know you can say jeffrey schlup but roy seems to prefer schlup further up the pitch so was he ever a viable left back option so yeah i mean i hope you're right because you know, Lucas' form hasn't hasn't been what it was. He, you know, he doesn't dictate games. He isn't as effective as he has been. You know, in his sort of peak peak performances for us. So, if a spell on the sidelines is going to get that back in his game, then I'm all for it. Um, but the, the only thing that concerns me is that when, whenever he comes back in, he's coming into what is ultimately a a very defensive midfield three. But you know, that's a wider tactical preference rather than. Something, something negative about Luca's game. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I don't know if we're doing McCarthy a disservice by saying that he's defensive minded. Um, 
and Kyoto. Again, I've leaned back towards was it Newcastle being terrible or was it us in the extent that the shackles seem to have come off of MacArthur and Kyoto, and they both got forward and really added to numbers in the final third. And I think that, you know, what was really good about it is that we we defended from the front in that sense and we just pinned Newcastle in and they could really get out and... I think it, if you look, it was like the second most shots we've had this season, the most on target, and also the third best shots against us. So it was our third best defensive performance in that sense as well. Um, so it, it definitely shows that those two can be a little bit more forward thinking if it if it's needed. And then certainly, I thought some of the passes MacArthur was playing in the final third um, and in the middle of the pitch as well, unlocking between the lines are excellent. And I'd certainly like to see him getting more into that position. But of course, if you look back to the Brighton game at Sellers, which was probably the best game they've played since they've been in the Premier League and the, the worst game we've probably played in, not since we've been in the Premier League, but you know, certainly this season. Um, do we need those three defensive midfielders, Heskiff, to fend off their passing style to, you know, sit deep and soak it up and then hit on the counter with our pace? I mean, potentially, um, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, look, counter-attacking, we've said it a million times before, is what what we're best at. I think when you've got not only players like Wilf who can sort of turn it on at the drop of a hat, but someone like Ayu, who, again, on Saturday, seemed yeah, to have one of those games real. The ball, the ball just can't, you can't, they couldn't take it off him. And he, it, it's sort of in the way that Andros has his only trick is to like check back onto his left foot. Ayu does this sort of little stop and turn and you think it looks so easy to get the ball off him and yet no team can do it. And he takes one little touch and he's away. And then in an away game, having someone that can keep the ball like that, coupled with, you know, a, a, an inform, I would say, Benteke, now he he should have scored the header that he didn't, but outside of the box, I thought he was he was good again. You know we've got players certainly that can do damage and and play to to certain strengths. So I think counter attacking is obviously the way we're going to go, and it will probably suit us, providing you know we can start pretty pretty well. Because I think if we if we look back to the game against Solos, Brighton started very strongly. We just couldn't get in the game, which for a long period of time looked like, you know, the, like you say, the worst the worst performance we've had in, in a while. But after we scored and we were sort of a bit more offensive-minded and a bit more positive, we actually looked all right for the last sort of 10 minutes or so in that game. So I think we're capable of it. And, you know, I think that the three of Zahar, Benteke and Ayu can all combine... To, to, to do some damage but like you say it's it's going to be a case of making sure we do something to get the ball off them with the, with their possession based football and when we do have the ball we've got to make we've got to make it count which we you know we really did on on Saturday yeah I mean I really I really hope that it was a side on Saturday that we're going to trust the front three a little bit more and um get the ball to them more often, get them support more often. Because, like I say, we defended better as a result of it. So it's a very interesting concept to defend from the front and something that we've rarely done. But, you know, we've Ayu just looks better and better and keeps the ball really well. Zaha can keep the ball really, really well. And Benteke is getting some confidence back. That Everton goal appears to have done him the world of good. He, he looked like a different player at the weekend, you know, taking on shots. Of course, they, they were fantastic shots, but just the confidence to take them on, there's definitely 
been an elevation in his levels in the last couple of weeks and God, it's no, there's no better time to score a big goal than um, on Saturday at is it a 12.30 kickoff on Saturday, isn't it? So, you know, yep. tea time kickoff, lunchtime kickoff down there, sorry. Oh, God, the last time we went down there at 12.30, we lost 3-0, didn't we? <laughs> I think that was in the promotion season, but there you go. What, uh, I, what I will say, talking about losing 3-0 and, and we talked about the 3-1, both of those games were attended by my wife, who this season has said she's going to take one for the team and is not coming to the game in the hope that losing and letting in three goals doesn't happen. <laughs> are you going to the game? I am indeed. I am indeed. Uh, Albert, are you going down? No, no. If I can if I can stomach it, I'll watch it on the telly. Mm. I'm taking club coach Massif. Um, Haskiff, we're also doing the club coach to Bournemouth this season. Yes, we are. And if you remember, the last time we took the club coach to an away game together, we beat Wolves 2-0. And true. That was so long. That was the last time I actually wrote for my website. That's how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> over, over a year ago. But there you go. Club coach massive. Um, it's, I, I wish I could take this Elvis juice with me on there. That would be nice. But there you go. Uh, right. I guess all that's left now is to talk about predictions. Uh, how did you predict the Newcastle game on the pod last week? Uh, I said 1-0 to Newcastle with Joel Linton scoring. <laughs> I put 1-0 on Super 6, so I feel like, to Palace, I mean, so I feel like I'm vindicated. In, and I would have said the exactly same thing on the pod, probably with um, PVA to score a screamer. Actually, someone did that on Twitter. You've seen this trend that's going around where it's it's like a meme, basically, where people on Twitter are posting at pictures of them this person with a person who said oh i really want a picture with this person look it works i don't know if i'm explaining that well <laughs> but, Absolutely but it's, not. it's just a forever this chain of like you know a just twitter person with a celebrity and then someone says oh my god this actually works they said this and then it goes on and then they're like oh so i want a picture with this person and then a week later they've got a picture of that person and it's just this ever chain of people saying you know if you ask for it on twitter you get it and a palace fan made a joke of um oh if this happens then i i, I, I fancy a patrick van arnold screamer against newcastle with a one nil win this weekend <laughs> and, and um yeah but i don't think i explained that very well just go, go to twitter and look for it <laughs> what's your prediction for this week Hesketh oh god I was trying to I'm trying to think of the most positive thing I can but I I, I can never be positive against Brighton uh, oh let's say 1-0 to Brighton I don't even know 1-0 to Brighton Glenn Murray obviously uh, <laughs> and what about you Albert we don't score many goals and they love a draw. So I'm going to sit on the fence with a one-all. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not that confident that we'll get one. So I think it's going to be nil-nil. Um, early kickoff on TV. Just a really like disappointing game for all involved. But I'll, I think I'll take a point away from there. Um, anything that gets us more towards that 40 points at the moment, just, you know, it's another season. Just make sure we survive, get it over and done with, and um, hopefully make some moves in the summer. Uh, did you did you touch on last week the uh, Steve Parrish interview, Heskiff? We did. Yes, we did. Yeah. So we won't go back over that. I mean, 
it was it, the timing of it was very interesting that he came out and addressed a few things and um fair play to Grierson for asking some difficult questions but you know it was it felt a bit pi didn't it albert when are season tickets going on sale for next year well and they're usually up by now aren't they but do mm. mm, you think that might be what it's linked to well potentially potentially but you know he had to Somebody had somebody had to come out and say something, and you know, I'm 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 not one of these people that thinks well, you know the fans demand to know everything, but just you know another shambolic January, um, and you know yes, yeah, listen, I, I want the I want the stadium to happen, but you know for me it's not the most important thing in the world. Uh, obviously, things like the academy and the training ground need improving, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but you know, somebody needed to come out and say something and then, you know, credit to him, he's come out and done it and myself included, you know, there's a lot of cynicism around it about, oh yeah, it's just all PR and media puff, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, there's a lot of people that wouldn't come out and do it. So you have to give him a fair bit of kudos for, you know, for, for agreeing to do it. And like you say, you know, it wasn't Chris Grierson did ask some sort of, you know, mildly awkward questions and. Again, you kind of have to hold your hands up and think, well, fair enough, and let's limp towards the end of the season and, and see what change that brings. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because like uh, like we talked about further up in the show, you, it's our record points tally in a Premier League season at this stage. Uh, but everything feels a bit weird. Um, and watching that video of Parrish, he, he's very, very good. Like I did finish the 15 minutes or whatever it was feeling a little bit more upbeat about things you know I felt like he explained what happened in the transfer window reasonably reasonably well enough uh, to sort of like to say you can see where things sort of went wrong in that sense um, and then by the end of it I was like oh like maybe things aren't so bad but I just still can't shake for some reason that things don't feel quite right and I don't I don't I don't know why I can't I can't put a finger on it in that sense, but that's the that's the thing that's mildly annoying is that we, we, yeah we can see what's gone wrong in the transfer window because it's the same thing that's gone wrong in like most transfer windows, and we, you know you kind of want to you know every 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 year we're like this is this is going to be the season where you know we do the business early or we have a coherent plan and you know so, uh, signs were sort of fairly good with the you know the Tosin signing being like in the first half of January just about but uh, yeah it just descended into like yeah the, the last minute you know kick bollock scramble and an ultimate disappointment with you know not signing anybody we don't we didn't we didn't even get Kevin Doyle <laughs> yeah but this I mean that's it isn't it you don't you can see what he means when he says you don't want to just sign anyone uh, we've done that enough in the past um, and he doesn't want to do things quickly. Uh, he talked about the structure, you know, he's definitely talking about giving Pardew loads of money there and, um, you know, spending lots of money on, on quite a few players and, you know, ending up with a wage structure that we can't really cope with. Um, so I I, uh, I understood it in that sense where it's coming from, but, you know, I also understand it. You should have multiple targets, uh, all your positions that you need, you know, and not just be relying on one person. Um, you sh- your second choice should be good enough as well. And it should be down to circumstances. And, you know, the question of shouldn't we have been looking at Ferguson, shouldn't that scan have happened on the 1st of January if we've known that he's been our long-time target? It should have happened earlier. Um, yeah, but, exactly. And you should have a second choice. Um, but, you know, it's a 
maybe we've been unlucky, as he says, with injuries. You know, I know we was interested in a, a left back from the league earn and he got injured. Uh, we was interested, well, we'd signed the striker according to him who got injured. So, yeah, it may, maybe it is just a series of unfortunate events. But, you know, sometimes it's a bit like crying wolf, isn't it? With the transfer windows we've had in recent seasons that... I don't know, alas, and when we do spend money, we you know we get massive bargains like Jordan Ayew, so we should be <laughs> should be getting right or signing future Real Madrid superstars. <laughs> Only just not realizing it. Right, <laughs> we'll be back after this. Okay, that's your lot for this week. Um, all the usuals, socials at back of the nest uh, or some sort of variation of. Um, for the review show this week, send your hopefully very positive WhatsApp notes to Hambo and the review team on 0203 575 1766. Um, Heskiff, as always, who we got next? Watford at home. We well done. Um, I've actually um, I met uh, at antenatal classes, um, one of the uh, Gail's husband is from Italy and he's an AC Milan season ticket holder. But now he's moved to Crystal Palace with his missus. Um, he's going to support his local team. So so this season he's started coming to games and um, next season he wants a season ticket and he's, he's coming to Watford with a couple of his mates from Italy on the weekend. So I'll, I'll be introducing him to the the world, the well, the wily ways of the Victory Club on Sellers Road, with with the cheap beers and Vicente Guaita framed pictures and all that. So yeah, but you're so you'll be there on the weekend. What about you, Albert? Which one, Brighton? Yeah, no, not Brighton, Watford. Uh, yeah, I live there. Hey. You're uh, going to be in the away end. Well, will I be there? I'm not sure. I need to look at the dates. I might be away for work on holiday. Mm. No, 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 the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.